Planet Saint Draft, and welcome back to the Idiot Brewery Podcast. I have my full crew here today, uh, both Jax Hell and yeah. Aiden, and we're all hanging out. We are bringing you the Throne of Eldraine release uh, episode, which is something that we've done for the past um, like six or seven sets or whatever. Uh, Ravnica Legion was the first this? one, so. Anyway, we're, if you haven't been around for any of these, um, well, first off, you should go check them out because they're awesome. But uh, what we actually do for this is we just do a quick little thing at the front where each of us talks about some cards we're kind of excited about. And then we do our normal brews, and then we talk about the fresh brews at the end that are all cards from the new set. So uh, whoever wants to start us off with the uh, cards that they're looking forward to, go ahead. All right. So I am a fan of Enchantment Prison decks and Water. And there have been two cards recently that have really caught my eye. The first one I'm going to talk about is Fires of Invention. Fires of Invention is a three and a red enchantment that reads, you can, only ca- you can cast spells only during your turn, and you can cast no more than two spells each turn. But you may cast spells with CMC less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana cost. In an enchantment prison deck, every single thing you play is at sorcery speed. And you're probably not playing more than... Generally, an enchantment deck's only playing one thing a turn. So two things a turn, just as long as you have the lands that equal the CMC, it's really great. And I know that other people are trying to put this in uh, as for told shells as well as a way to fuel more of a longer version of that deck that doesn't just try to combo off immediately, which is pretty cool. I'm very interested in Fire's Invention. I definitely think it'll find a home somewhere. And the other card I would like to talk about is Dance of the Mance. Uh, Dance of the Mance is a blue-white X spell, sorcery, returns up to X target artifact and or non-aura enchantment cards, each with CMC X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And if X is six or more, those permanents are four or four creatures in addition to their other types. I was a little bummed out when it said non-aura. They just don't want Bogles to have good things. But regardless, this can go pretty well in the Enchantment Prison deck, which is currently Jeskai in its current state because of this card. So just the ability to bring back all the stuff they've managed to destroy, especially against control. If you can resolve this against control, you're in a good spot because Cryptic Command is annoying to deal with. Or just, if they bring in all their enchantment removal, you can just get all your stuff back. So, I'm excited for both of those cards. So, uh, the two cards that I'm really excited about, and I think one of them should surprise, like, nobody, is uh, one of them that I'm uh, really excited about is Charming Prince. Um, mostly just because it says human on the creature type. Uh, this card's nuts. Um, it's a it's a one and a white 2-2 two, two that uh, has an ETB you choose one. It's got a charm type effect. Uh, you either scry to gain three life, or exile another target creature you control, and then return it to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, very excited to try this out in humans. I think it's going to be a blast. Um, it's going to be really, really fun to uh, bounce my lieutenant or flicker out my lieutenant, and then buff my whole board again, or maybe rebuy a reflector mage, or reset a meddling mage to a new tar- a new card, or whatever it may be. Um, this card is pretty exciting. Uh, I'm not really sure where it's going to go yet. Um, I've got a few ideas as far as what it replaces in humans, but it's definitely going to be one that I think people should watch out for because I think it's going to be really powerful in that deck. Uh, The second card that I'm excited about is Corridor Monitor. Um, This doesn't surprise anybody else that's, uh, you know, hosting with me here just because I've talked about it before. 
um, and we had a little conversation about it before the uh, recording tonight. But the reason I'm excited about this card is uh, a couple of reasons. One, it's a construct, and I play construct tribal in Oathbreaker, um, and it's just a really I, I I think he looks cute. He's kind of cool. Um, but I think the the other thing I'm really excited about this card for is that it's a two drop in the Kiki Jiki line, uh, which is actually really really good. Uh, we don't actually have a two drop version of this, and this gives us that. So with like Kiki Pod type decks, uh, because this can untap both either Birthing Pod or Kiki Jiki, it's pretty powerful. Uh, so the two cards that I'm really excited for, shockingly, are both. Uh, red cards. Um, no, that's not you, surprising at all. You, what? <laughs> get out of the town. Get get right out of that town. Just leave, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the first one is Bone Crusher Giant. Uh, which Bone Crusher Giant for two and a red is a four three giant creature that says whenever it becomes a target of a spell. It deals two damage to that spell's controller, and you can. Uh, it also has an adventure uh, tacked onto it, which uh, adventure for all you who don't know um, is a sort of thing that they tacked onto creatures in this set. Where if you have the creature in your hand, you can play the adventure as if it was like a spell. So it's sort of like the card is acting as both, but then when the spell resolves the card will go into exile and then you can cast the creature later but so the adventure on bone crusher giant is called stomp and it's one in a red instant uh damage can't be prevented this turn it deals two damage to any target i really think this can go into the sideboard of burn as sort of like just a uh, a card that can it's a really good grindy threat, as well as being something that can just end the game as a burn spell. Um, and also having the line damage can't be prevented is kind of relevant, but not super relevant in this format. Um, but yeah, I think that card will be pretty good. I'm going to definitely be testing it out. And then the second card I want to talk about is Robber of the Rich. So Robber of the Rich is a 2-2 with Reach and Haste for 1 and a red. That's a human archer rogue. That says, whenever it attacks, if defending player has more cards in hand than you, exile the top card of their library. During any turn you attacked with a rogue, you may cast that card and you may spend mana, a zoe or mana of any color to cast that spell. This, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where I would want to put it. It seems pretty good in the sideboard of, like, the Mono Red Prowess deck, or even something that could happen in burn um but yeah i'm not sure exactly where that one would go but it still seems sweet yeah i'm actually um i i've done a little bit of brewing around that card myself i think it's really cool uh and i guess that that takes it up to me mm -hmm. so the two cards i'd like to talk about today are uh one is actually a build around i think for commander i want to build kenrith the returned king because it's just it strikes me as this kind of five color group hug kind of commander because all of his abilities can target your opponents and your opponent's stuff as well. Like you can 
barter with his abilities like give this player a card draw give all like that your opponent is going to swing out at one of your other opponents give all his creatures trample like you can do that for one red like it's just it seems really diplomatic and that's something i really enjoy about uh commander as a format he does politics really well and that's that i think honestly that's my favorite part of commander is the politicking Mm -hmm. and this is a card that does that super well all right, so the the second card I'd like to talk about today is I think it's pronounced Iron Crag Feet. I think that's how you pronounce that. I'm not Iron sure how the I R E works. I read reading comprehension isn't my strong suit. It's cool, but uh, as far as I can tell, this card says it's four mana with triple pips in its cost. So you know, that's a lot. But then it adds seven red to your mana pool. But you can only cast one more spell this turn. Oh no. You only have seven mana and one spell to cast it on. Whatever will you do, other than, I don't know, play Karn? Like, you just you just slam a Karn, you slam a big Eldrazi, you play a dragon of some description. Like, there is so much that you can do with seven mana, even if it's just one more spell. Like, you don't have to storm off with this. You can play quote-unquote fair feet. I mean, you can, like, turn one a Karn as well, so that seems kind of sweet. That does seem sweet, I'm not seems gonna relevant. lie. Yeah. But, like, you can also just cast, like, a Begarden Hellkite. I like dragons. That's Let's put mana. some dragons into Isn't play with this drop. Yeah. Is it? I don't yeah. know. I don't like dragons that much. You can still do it, though. <laughs> Alright, so we're gonna move on to our second segment here, where we're talking about all the brews that we brought in. So uh, I'm actually going to jump in and go first this week, if you guys are all okay with that. I generally don't do this. So, shocking. Uh, Austin yeah, going first. Dance of the Mance, right? It's uh, it's X blue white, brings back a bunch of stuff, artifacts and or enchantments, non-auras, pretty relevant. Um, yeah. It can sometimes turn them into giant idiots. Where does that go best? Prison, you might think? No, 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 no. That's right. Bogles. Blue white control? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> No, so, <laughs> so this isn't really uh, your traditional blue-white control list. Um, instead of playing uh, all the good cards that most control decks play, uh, you play a lot of really bad cards. Um, I'm going to go over the lands first just to kind of like ease myself into this, and that way you guys can understand why I made the decisions of the deck that I did. So you start out with four Prismatic Vistas and four uh, Flood Strands. That's your eight fetches. Uh, you have 10 basics, 6 islands, and 6 plains, uh, all of which are snow-covered. Uh, you have 2 hollowed fountains, 1 glacial fortress, which for some reason is not a snowland, even though it's called glacial, whatever. And 2 celestial colonnades. Um, so 23 straight lands, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, and the reason you play a lot of these snow-covered lands um, is for exactly one card. You have 2 on thin ice in your deck. Um, just another... Uh, additional uh, quote-unquote like path to exiles um, and on thin ice happens to be the only thing you can't buy back with dance of the mance uh, everything else all the other enchantments and artifacts and stuff can do that um, so I guess I'll go over the enchantments and this will kind of explain what my deck does um, so in addition to on thin ice you have one curse of exhaustion two deafening silence and four rule of law <laughs> exactly. You're, you're, you're right, Jack. Nah, I just think <laughs> I sounds, just had an aneurysm. Yeah, he's just he sounds co- upset. He's coughing. So, curse of exhaustion. 
Curse of Exhaustion okay. is too white white for an enchant uh, player. Oh, it's also an aura. Never mind. You can't buy that back. Nah, whatever. Um, you enchant a player, and that player can't cast more than one spell in a turn. Deafening Silence is a one mana enchantment from Throne of Eldraine, so it's the new one. Uh, it, each player can't cast more than one non-creature spell each turn. And then Rule of Law is two and a white. Each player can't cast more than one spell in a turn. You might see the theme here. Basically what this does is this deck looks to uh, defeat decks that try to play a lot of non-creature spells. A lot of mid-range decks do this. It's very good against control. It also just like stops Tron. Um, because a lot of the time they're just like tapping out for one or two things. And with something like Rule of Law, like obviously Deafening Silence isn't really helping. But something like Rule of Law, if you just like counter their one spell, you don't have to worry about holding up for another one. They can't do anything else. Um, it makes counter wars very easy for you. As soon as your opponent does something, you respond. Oh, look at that. They can't do anything else. You win the counter war. And you actually have a bit of a soft lock. And the way that you do that is you play a lot of spells that just, instead of countering them, they just sort of bounce them back to your opponent's hand. Um, things like unsubstantiate, remand, Narset's reversal, failure to comply. Um, you just kind of do a lot of like, uh, you can cast that later. It's fine. You just you can't do it this turn, you know. You you can't do that because I got a rule of law in play. But I'll bounce it back to your hand. It's fine. Something like Narset's reversal is really powerful because you can copy their spell, bounce it back to their hand. Now they can't do anything for the rest of the turn, but you still get the spell that they tried to cast, which is pretty cool. You also have your basic path to exile, opt that kind of thing. Um, and then you may be thinking like, a how am I winning? Um, outside of just pure frustration from my opponent, uh, or B, what's the what's the lock that eventually happens? Um, so your your main threats, and I already mentioned Dance of the Mance, but your main threats are three Vendillion clicks, um, just an all around good beater, uh, three Dovin Bon, the original Dovin, and three Jace Unraveler of Secrets. Yes, you heard that. The second worst Jace, um. So, uh, Vindlian Click, I don't think needs any introduction. It's just a good card. Dovin Bon, uh, at some point, his, uh, his quote-unquote ultimate is just an emblem that winter orbs your opponents. Uh, makes it so they can only untap two permanents during their untap steps. That's just really powerful. Uh, his plus is you get to, uh, until your next turn, up to one target creature gets minus three, minus oh, and its activated abilities can't be activated. Uh, kind of, you know, stems some aggression if you need to. Is a minus also gains you life and draws cards. Um, I think he's kind of just like better than Teferi, honestly. I mean, who's to say? Um, but then you also have Jason Raveler of Secrets. Uh, and the, the lock here is that his emblem is, or his ultimate is, you gain an emblem with whenever an opponent casts his or her first spell in a turn, counter that spell. So if you have a rule of law in play, they can't ever play the game unless they have an uncounterable spell. Uh, and that uncounterable spell has to be a good one. Um, what this means is that you likely have problems against something like Cavern of Souls. Uh, the other thing, too, is that things like Unsubstantiate and uh, Failure to Comply just return them to their hand. So you can at least still fight through some of those things. Um, you just have to find a way to kill them very quickly if they if they have a cavern and you have no way to deal with it. Um, but that's kind of your main you know, everything here. Uh, Dance of the Mance just being like this 
big like, well, I've got a bunch of enchantments in my deck that I just brought back into play, and oh look, they are four fours now. Who cares? Uh, even if it buys back like one or two things, it can usually just be pretty powerful. Uh, as far as sideboard goes, straight blue white stuff mostly. But yeah, that's uh, that's rule of law control. Um, I've actually had this deck kind of sitting in my back pocket for a while. I was really happy that they printed Deafening Silence and gave us like a one mana style um, rule of law type effect. Uh, only hitting non-creatures kind of sucks because it doesn't stop like aggressive decks. But it is very good in the mid-range slash like control matchups where if your opponent's trying to do something, you can always respond and then they can't. Um, it kind of makes counter wars definitely in your favor as long as you aren't doing the first thing, basically. But yeah, right. Kind of a sweet yeah. Deck. Also, it uh, somehow just turns off your opponent's ability to play the game of Magic, which is fun. All right, so uh, I guess I'll go next. Uh, so longtime listeners may remember several months ago I presented a deck about knights. It wasn't a good deck. Agreed. <laughs> It was, quite frankly, a terrible deck. Agreed. It had cards with flanking in it. Yep. Flanking is uh, bad mechanic. suboptimal. We don't like to call things bad mechanics. It was a suboptimal mechanic. It's a bad mechanic. Alright, it was a bad mechanic. But still, this set has an awful lot of knights in it. And I think this set, if not pushed knights to the point of playability, at least got them close. I'm not sure if it's quite there yet, but it's definitely... You could bring this to FNM and probably do well. You'd win a couple matches. I don't think you'd win the whole thing, but I don't know. It, it seems like it would be fun. Quick plug before we move on. Um, for those who listen to our changes video, you'll know that I'm starting a new series called The Menu, where I start doing the tribal tests and everything. In the very first episode, I specifically call out knights because... There are way too many of them in this set, uh, and it's really hard to evaluate the fact that there's like 80 of them or something. So, um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. It's of gonna be a bit before I get to knights, but I will say that we are definitely gonna go in depth in this. So, uh, just to give that sort of plug before we move forward, at least, uh, yeah. But as far as like knights that come from this set, we're actually running a fair few. Um, the knights we're running are Venerable Knight. Black Lance Paragon, Inspiring Veteran, and Worthy Knight. Because all of them are cheap creatures that care about knights and are very... They have way more power than they probably should, given their CMC. Um, it should be pointed out, this is a Mardu deck. It's primarily white, but it splashes black and red for a couple cards. Uh, as far as... Uh, other knights go, we're running Dauntless Bodyguard, Knight of the Ebon Legion, uh, Me Metallic Mimic, not technically a knight, but a knight nonetheless. Honorary. Uh, Danitha Capuchin, Paragon, Knight Exemplar, Olivia Mobilized for War, and here my personal favorite, Hero of Bladehold. That's just, that Hero of Bladehold will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, we know. You put it in a deck with far too many 4-drops. There's only... It's the only 4-drop in this deck, and there's only two of them. You have right, how many planes, planes are you running? <laughs> yeah. I'm only running... I'm running three planes. <laughs> not 18. <laughs> That's unplayable. not enough. I'm running three planes, but I'm also running a bunch of shocks and fetches. 
I, I'm. It's got 22 lands. This is a reasonable deck. Mm. I swear. I promise. Mm. I do not believe um, you. <laughs> but no. Uh, Dauntless Bodyguard, Knight of the Ebon Legion, and Venerable Knight all provide like really good one-drop bodies that just get on the board. They gum things up, and they provide you a lot of value in the later game as well. Even if you'd like top deck a Dauntless Bodyguard, you can play it and give one of your things indestructible on a stick like it's like it's always good and same thing with knight of the ebon legion it comes down and then continues to accrue value over the course of the game like you're going to be hitting your opponent for a lot it's going to be accruing counters uh venerable knight is probably the worst knight in this deck question mark it's a savannah lions that gives one of your knights a counter but, like, it's a 2-1 one for 1. It has a relevant creature type, and it provides you advantage, even if you swing out with it and it gets chump-blocked. Like, there's, it's just, it seems good. Say it with me, kids. Savannah Lions is the worst Savannah Lions. That, that is, is really sad, yeah. but true. Yeah. You know Savannah Lions was rare when it was originally. Sure was. It definitely was, <laughs> and it definitely shouldn't be now. Um... As far as two drops go, Black Lance Paragon is a really, really good gotcha card. It's a 3-1 with flash for one and a black when it enters. Target Knight gains Death Touch and Lifelink until end of turn. So, like, yeah, you swing out with your Venerable Knight. Your opponent's like, oh, yeah, he probably just wants to get a counter on one of his other creatures. And then you're like, boom, Black Lance Paragon. I gain two. Your thing dies, and I still get the counter. And it's just, it's it's super good, just, like, mind game your opponent. They, they're thinking, oh, he's Marty, he probably doesn't have that much, like, oh, well, never mind. He's a tribal deck, he doesn't have that much instant speed interaction. But this guy just says, you, you just, you get him. Uh, Inspiring Veteran is a two-mana lord. That's really all there is to it. It gives all the creatures in your deck plus one, plus one. Hey, Aiden, how do you feel about this card? About <laughs> uh, which one? The two-mana lord. For knights, isn't it great that they got oh. a two-mana lord? <sighs> I have many thoughts, and let me just say, I can't wait until we go back to Lorowind. <laughs> so that knights. elves can for, get a two-mana lord For those again. who are unaware, knights got a two-mana lord before goblins did. Sure did. Yes. Aiden is unhappy with this fact. Yep. Yeah. I've been waiting for so long. <laughs> Although, if you want to get technical... The next card, Metallic Mimic, also goes in Goblins. Shut up. Eh. I used to. It is. It. It's a. It's. It's kind of a lord. It's not quite a lord, but I think it gets the job done. And we're running it too because it's another two mana buff your board. Uh, the next one we're running is Worthy Knight, which is a two mana two two one in a white. Whenever you cast a knight spell, create a one one human creature token. So, like, you play your knights, you just do your normal thing, and then now you're getting two bodies for the price of one. It's it's a solid Magic the Gathering card. That card's sweet. It acquires you plenty of value for doing things you wanted to do anyway. <laughs> you know? Uh, then we're running three Danatha Capuchin. We don't care about the auras and equipment costing less. We care about the fact that it's a three mana two two with first strike, vigilance, and life link. That is also a knight. This is keyword soup, and it's a relevant creature type. It gets buffed by both the lords and has first strike, vigilance, and life link. 
What more can you want? It's everything. Uh, except for the, the best, I think the best knight, period. Yep. Which is knight exemplar, which is one double white for a 2-2 two -two knight with first strike. And other knight creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and are indestructible. This yeah. is a three mana lord that does it. It's so good. Top three Word, words fail me. And this down. is, I think, the best lord in the game. Uh, the illusion one is really good too. I don't know, but like buff and indestructible for three mana. It's buff and with a relevant body, and it it's relevant on his own as a two two first strike. The illusion is uh, buff and hexproof for two mana. Alright, fair. Yeah. Uh, and then we are running three, or two, I'm sorry, Olivia Mobilized for War, which is a Vampire Knight, 3-3 three, three for one black-red with flying, and whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may discard a card. If you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature, it gains haste and is a vampire in addition to its other types. So whenever your knights come in, you can, like, if you have, like, you top-decked a venerable knight late game. All right, well, play that other knight, and then you can just pitch venerable knight and then crack in with your 3-3 three, three knight exemplar. Like, it's it's it buffs all of your knights, and it gives them haste, which I think is something this deck kind of needs is a way to close out games, and this, I think, fills that role. Yeah. And then, then my darling, my favorite... Hero of Bladehold. It doesn't make knights, but it is a knight, and it has battle cry, and makes a bunch of creatures all at once. Hero of Bladehold. Ladies and gentlemen. She sure does. A mediocre card. Mm, gonna really cube. disagree with you there, boss. <laughs> Very good in cube, but... Oh, yes. yeah, that's 100% accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I didn't, I didn't build a sideboard. You never as, do. Which is as tradition. <laughs> hey, I've had a sideboard the last few times. As tradition. But I had to I had to go back to my roots. Of Reconnect with the brewer I was. That brewer did not Leave have a, comment a sideboard. Below on and therefore how awful this Jack does not. is for the fact that none of his decks have sideboards. You know, <laughs> who needs a sideboard? As deck I always say, as I deck. always say, sideboards are for inferior decks. No, a sideboard is basically admitting to everyone else at the FNM, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> Alright, so we know how much we like tokens, right? Tokens are fun. I love tokens. I am a fan of where tokens are looking like in standard currently. A standard deck? On this I'm podcast? Not, how dare you? Right. So, I've got a Bant Tokens list that might be very interesting to hear about if I get to it and stop talking. So, Bant Tokens. This deck runs a lot of cards from Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance that some cards that kind of fall into the wayside, um, given the current meta right now. First things I'm going to go over are my actual token generators so for token generators very important part of decks like these we've got cards like a marcel the accord hanged executioner 
Lovestruck Beast, Tristani Discordant, Raise the Alarm, March of the Multitudes, and Depose Deploy. So, Marisol of the Accord is a uh, green-white 2-2, legendary elf cleric. Whenever it becomes tapped, create a 1-1 white soldier creature token with lifelink. It creates creatures as it goes, which is pretty sweet, um, especially with some with some of the uh, Convoke cards we have here. Another card we have is Hanged Executioner. Hanged Executioner is a 1-1 for 2 and a white spirit with flying. When there's the battlefield, create a 1-1 white spirit with flying. And then you can pay three and a white, exile hanged executioner to exile target creature. Um, through testing, I've kind of learned that the ability to just pay for and exile anything where standard is right now is very good because there's not a lot of hex proof right now. It gets around things like Wicked Wolf's ability to be indestructible. Well, that doesn't really matter. It can just eat Questing Beast, which everyone loves right now. Um, and it creates a, it leaves a body over as well, which is pretty great. Uh, Lovestruck Beast, just a two of in the deck. Two and a green. Uh, five, five Beast Noble. Can't attack unless you control one, one creature. But its adventure is Heart's Desire, which just costs a green. And it's a sorcery, which creates a one, one white human creature token. Um, just a nice two of for the deck. Tristani Discordant. Three green, white. One, four, Legendary Dread. Other creatures get plus one, plus one that I, I control. When Tristani Discord enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one white soldier creature tokens with lifelink. And then at the beginning of your end step, each player gains control of all creatures they own. I, I don't know how much that third one's going to be relevant in this current standard, but those other two, the ability to lord my creatures and create two tokens when it comes in is very, very helpful. Rounding it off, we've got Raise the Alarm, a good card from M20, which is one in a white instant, create two 1-1 one, one white soldier creature tokens. Um... Uh, very good card, gotten core 20, which is nice. We have two March of the Multitudes, which is X green, white, white instant with Convoke, which can create X 1 1 white creatures, uh, white soldier creature tokens with lifelink at instant speed. Very good when you're going wide, even when you're tapped out, you can pull it out of nowhere and get your opponent. We run two Depose deploys. Um, it's a split card. Depose is one and then a hybrid blue white, tap target creature, draw a card, and then deploy is two white blue for an instant to create two 1-1 one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying, then you gain one life for each creature you control. Both sides of these, this card's great. I like to pose because you can stop a creature from attacking that you weren't expecting. There's a lot of four mana creatures with haste running around right now, so it's nice to be able to just stop it from attacking the turn it comes in. Very helpful, and of course deploys helpful, creates some tokens, and you can get a bunch of life. So those are the token generators. That's a lot of token generators. Now let's talk about how we actually win the game here. We run a few cards. One of my favorite cards is Woodland Champion, which is a 2-2 Elf Scout for one and a green. Whenever one or more tokens enter the battlefield under your control, put that many plus one plus one counters on Woodland Champion. That many, and it triggers off of any token. So you can make this thing grow really big really fast. Other than just our normal token strategy, this is our one of our main ways to win we get this woodland champion really big as well as a bunch of other tokens and we just run them over and then the last four cards i'm going to talk about are support cards that really hold the deck together which are gilded goose oko thief of crowns to fairy time raveler and conclave tribunal as well as flower flourish i lied there are five gilded goose is definitely definitely death right shaman um it's a green zero two bird with flying when it enters the battlefield, create a food token. You can sack tap uh, 
Gilded Goose, sacrifice a food, add one man of any color. You can pay one in a green tap, create a food token. Um, so it's got some relevance in the late game as well. You can keep creating food tokens to keep crack to gain life or to keep making mana, whatever you want to do. Um, Oko Thief of Crowns is one of my favorite new additions from Throne of Eldraine. Oko is a one green blue legendary planeswalker, starts with four loyalty. The plus two is create a food token, which can trigger Woodland Champion. The plus one is target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness three three. Uh, this can be good against your opponent. You can just pongify something you really don't want to deal with or you can start turning your tokens that you've created into three threes and just keep swinging and his minus five is exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls the power three or less uh hasn't come up too much when i've been playing but the situations have arisen very rarely and when it does it's very helpful you can just really sw uh swing the tempo with it uh, it's a Fairy Time Raveler. I don't know how much I have to go over to Fairy Time Raveler, the quote-unquote bane of standard. Uh, we're playing it because of its static, which makes it so that opponents can cast spells only at any time they cast a sorcery. You really don't want to deal with counter magic, and there's a lot of people trying to do flash and tempo. Um, Simic Flash especially. I just don't want to deal with it. And to Fairy Time Raveler gives me an out to not deal with it. To Flower Flourish... Flower, search your library for a basic forest or plains. Reveal it, put it into your hand, shuffle your library. Flourish, four green, white. Creatures get plus two, plus two until end of turn. Can be a filter at the beginning of the game. Can be a win con at the end. It's a very versatile card. Then Conclave Tribunal, which is a three white enchantment with Convoke. ETB, exile and only permanent until it leaves the battlefield. Again, very good when you're running a lot of creatures. I guess I'm already cemented as the, as the combo brewer of of the four of us um so let's just push this even further this is a deck built around the interaction of emery lurker of the lock jeskai ascendancy and a zero mana artifact that can be sacked um so we're going to split this up let's talk about emery first so emery uh is a new card from throne of eldraine that for two and a blue, it's a 1-2 Merfolk Wizard Legendary Creature uh, that costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. And when it enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library in your graveyard. Then you can tap her to choose target artifact in your graveyard, and, I can, and you can cast it this turn. Um, and you still have to pay its mana cost. Jeskai Ascendancy um, for blue, red, white. Uh, is an enchantment that says whenever you cast a non-creature spell, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Untap those creatures. And whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. Um, so if you have something like, um, let's say a Mishra's Bobble, uh, which is a zero-mana artifact that you can tap, sack it, look at the top card of target player's library, draw a card at the beginning of next turn's upkeep, um, you can sack it, tap Emery, uh, cast the Mishra's Bobble because it costs zero, uh, Jeskai's Sentency triggers, untapping Emery, sack it, and you're back where you started, except Emery is up a power and toughness. Um, so you can do this infinite times, uh, until she gets infinitely big. Um, so Mishra's Bobble is just one, um, example of ways that we can go off with zero mana artifacts um i guess i'll go off i'll go over those first so of course we have mishra's bobble 
Uh, along with that, we also have mo four mox ambers, four mox opals, and four welding jars. Uh, so mox amber um, is a zero mana legendary artifact that says tap, add one mana of any color among legendary creatures or planeswalkers you control. Um, so with this, you really you have to have two mox ambers to be able to go off with emery, uh, and then you just sack one to the legend rule. Uh, Mox Opal works the same as Mox Amber um, in the combo. And then Welding Jar uh, is a zero mana artifact that says Sack Welding Jar, regenerate target artifact. It's a good way to save an artifact in the later game if you need it, and it also works as a sack outlet to go infinite with Emery. As well in the other artifact slots for sort of consistency sake and even uh, getting rid of troublesome permanents, we have three engineered explosives four chromatic stars, and one altar of dementia. Uh, three engineered explosives. If you need to get rid of a permanent that's letting you not be able to go off, um, or just getting rid of, uh, like, wiping the board if you need another turn to go off, like against humans or Jund or something. Uh, chromatic star. It's a good way to filter mana as well as getting deeper into your deck as you are mostly blue and you need to be able to get red and white for Jeskai Ascendancy. Um, and then Altar of Dementia, you're playing it as a one-of because um, when you're cycling through your deck with Emery, you can just go or draw and discard infinitely until you hit Altar and then you can tap Emery to buy Altar back. Um, it's an alternate win con for when Emery has infinite power because if your opponent has a blocker, you can't really attack with Emery that well, because then they can just block and not take any damage. Uh, so then they just mill infinite instead. Along with those, we also have four Arkham's Astrolabes, uh, which a new card from Modern Horizons that has sort of been terrorizing every format that it's legal in. <laughs> um, it's a very good card. It's yes, also it very good at uh, filtering mana. <laughs> Outside of those, we do have some ways to stall our opponents or just win the game in other ways. And these are in the form of three Arrayos and three Sighs. Uh, so Arrayo um, is a legendary creature for one and a blue that has flying. Uh, that's a 1-1. One, one. That says whenever the fourth spell of a turn is played, flip Arrayo. And she flips into an enchantment called Arrayo's Essence. That says counter the first spell played by each opponent each turn. So. Playing a lot of zero mana artifacts and just like one mana artifacts, it's really easy to just play Arreo turn one or turn two and then flip her immediately. Uh, basically making it hard for your opponents to play magic at all and then eventually you will get your combo and win. Um, and then Psy Master Thopterus is a legendary creature, human artificer, uh, for two and a blue, it's a one four, that says whenever you cast an artifact spell, create a one one colorless thopter artifact token with flying. And uh, it has one and a blue, sack two artifacts, draw a card. So really, it kind of works the same as Arreo, except in a different sense, that instead of flipping it to counter spells, you're basically just storming off, making a whole bunch of 1-1s, um, and then using them to block or just attack and win. Um, and all all these creatures, uh, Areo, Emery, and Psy, 
really work well in the deck because they also turn on Mox Amber to tap for mana for any purpose that you need. Along with these, we also have two Teferi Time Ravelers uh, to, s to sort of slow our opponents down and against control they can't counter our stuff. Uh, we also have 16 lands in the deck, three Darksteel Citadels, four Flooded Strands, one Hollowed Fountain, three Polluted Deltas, four Snow-Covered Islands, and one Steam Vents. Uh, just to cast Jeskai Ascendancy, and you have a bunch of Snow-Covered Islands for Arkham's Astrolabe. The sideboard is sort of geared in two directions. One is to get rid of Troublesome Permanence, and the other is to switch game plans and sort of go into a more aggressive or prison-style element. Uh, so in the first uh, category, which is going to be getting rid of Troublesome Permanence, we have one Engineered Explosives, three Path to Exiles, two Teferi Time Ravelers, and three Wear Tears. Uh, these are all very good options at destroying artifacts, enchantments, uh, creatures, or even just making our opponent not be able to play things on our turn, um, so that way we can go off, hopefully, through whatever our opponent played. On the other side of the spectrum, uh, we have one Ensnaring Bridge, two Force of Negation, and three Salvage Titan. Uh, oh Ensnaring Bridge... <laughs> yeah. Ensnaring Bridge, good against humans and other decks that want to be attacking you a lot. Force of Negation, very good against hand attack um, and other things that your opponent would be... Uh, other hate pieces that your opponent would be wanting to play on their turn. And three Salvage Titans. Um, so Salvage Titan is a very cool card. For four... He's a swole lad. He is a very swole lad. For four black black, he is an artifact creature, Golem. He's a 6-4. And instead of paying its mana cost, you can sack three artifacts uh, to play it. So really you're not paying its mana cost at all. You're basically just sacking three zero mana artifacts. And then just playing a 6-4. But he also has the upside um, of being able to recur itself from the graveyard. As it has the ability, remove three artifacts in your graveyard from the game. Return it from your graveyard to your hand. So it's a recursive threat um, that you really want to be swinging with. And you can even block really well with. That just hits on another axis that things like Emery and Psy don't. So... Just playing this turn one and then just swinging six for the rest of the game is really good against something like Jund or Control that sides out a lot of their cards that are good against this. Um, and yeah, that's the deck. It uh, seems really good so far from what testing I've done with it. Deck looks very real. It's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I also it, want... Having seen it in action, it's sweet. Yeah. I also want to clarify that this decklist came, or I made this decklist on Goldfish on September 11th, which is before it started blowing up everywhere. Just so you know. So hey everyone, welcome to the little middle section here where we go through all of the different places you can find us, all the different things you can find us for, and all that stuff. Uh, we're going to try and just blast through this. I know that this episode, uh, all of our set review type episodes or whatever are always kind of clunkers because there's just so many things to go through and there's a lot of new cards, etc. So we're going to just try to blast through this as quickly as we can. Um, we just want you guys to let you know if you are listening anywhere other than YouTube, we highly recommend you go check out our YouTube channel. 
um, youtube.com slash the idiot brewery. It's pretty easy to find us. Um, we have a lot of different videos up on there. Uh, we do a lot more of the barista banter, ser uh, like side series stuff. We're starting a lot more side series like the deck techs. And I mentioned the menu earlier and, uh, we've got a bunch of other ideas coming up and all that stuff. And we do a lot of that now on our YouTube channel. Um, versus doing the podcast has moved to a sort of bi-weekly schedule. So there's a lot less of it uh, in comparison to what it used to be because it used to be a weekly thing. Outside of that, if you want to find us over on Twitter, you can do that at the Idiot Brewery. Uh, I gave Jack the reins, which might have been a mistake, but whatever. Um, he he generally posts a lot of uh, dumb, stupid memes, but also uh, lets everyone know whenever a new episode goes live. So if you don't, for any reason, have YouTube notifications on your phone or whatever, uh, you can get a notification through our Twitter account if you want to do that. You can also check out our merch store. Uh, we sell some t-shirts over on Teespring. Um, it's just a couple of t-shirts right now, but uh, we do have plans to get others out, so that will happen eventually. Well, if there's nothing else, then we're just going to move on to our last segment, and we'll see you guys in a bit. Hey, guys. Welcome to Fresh Brews. We've been doing this segment for a long time. Who's up first? Y'all know how this works. And Aiden yeah. almost forgot what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> what was this the 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 the, the current bruise the you know something like, the, 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 Some, the current, something like that the current drag all right idiots all right all right idiots <laughs> all right Listen idiots. Up. build me a decker on happily ever after no no and you can't make it. tribal tribal why do you do this why do you do this to us tribal, Dude, this card tribal. is sweet we're also yeah i agree with jack tribal tribal more fun the boundless tribal. We run a bunch of cards that have the tribal super type because it just makes it, and then planeswalkers additionally because it just makes it a lot easier to hit those six or more card types yeah, you kinda, limit, yeah. which is I think the real thing that's holding this back. Happily what? ever after is an enchantment <laughs> for two and a white um, that says when it ETBs, each player gains five life and draws a card. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are five colors among permanents you control. There are six or more card types among permanents you control and or cards in your graveyard, and your life total is greater than or equal to your starting life total. You win the game. Um, so when I first saw Love this you card, win the game effects. Yeah, you, you win the game effects. What is this, Yu-Gi-Oh? Um, but... I mean, we're getting there. So when I first saw this card, I was just like, oh, okay, that's a really jank deck. But I just realized, um... You could sort of play this in a Traverse-style deck, like how Traverse Death Shadow kind of works, but instead of Traverse Death Shadow, because obviously you want your life total to be higher than your starting life Traverse total, Ever After. Yeah, Traverse <laughs> Ever After. Or you're just trying, you're just, you're getting cards in your graveyard to turn on Traverse Uvenwald, and then finding value creatures that are multicolored, something like Siege Rhino, or like Grim oh Flare. Or yeah. other things. Um, playing Man. them out. And then winning with Happily Ever After. Or just attacking with your creatures. Uh, there are a lot of ways to win with a Happily Ever After deck. Um, yeah, I think that's what I have for it. Alright, I got a card. Sure. Do you? Build me a deck around Sir Kara the Bold. It's a knight. This this is actually one that I was trying to work on earlier. So Sir Kara is three red red uh, for a legendary creature, human knight. It's an uncommon. 
When it or an instant or sorcery spell that you control deals damage to a player, exile the top card of your library and you may play that card this turn. And then you can tap Sir Kara to deal one damage to any target. This is uh, earlier I mentioned that deck that um, had like Robber of the Rich, uh, where you have like the Rakdos style deck where you're playing a lot of like the light up the stage style effects or active act on impulse effects where you're just like exiling the top card of your library. You're playing a lot of those spells. Um, you would probably play things like eternal scourge just in case you can't cast everything you get off your library. You can just like leave it in exile and then you can still cast it later on. Um, and it actually ran two of these as sort of a top end just because she can like turn on just like uh, all your lightning bolts also become like small, like light up the stage type effects. So interesting. Yeah. All right. Um I got a card for you guys. Sure. Build me a Do deck it, you won't. around Fae of Wishes. So Fae of Wishes is another card that has adventure. It's one in a blue for a one four with flying, and then it has one in a blue discard two cards, return it to its owner's hand. But it also has granted as its adventure. Ha, that's funny, it's a wit okay. Uh, three and a blue for a sorcery. You may choose a non-creature card you own from outside the game, reveal it, and put it into your hand. And then, hey. obviously, when it resolves... Hey, it Austin. What? Hey, Austin, you know what this gets? What's that? Gets Mycosynth Lattice. <laughs> <sighs> you, know what, you know what else this gets? This gets Karn, which then goes and gets Mycosynth Lattice. It does get Jeskai Ascendancy. Um, if Jeskai oh, Ascendancy true. wanted a non-glittering wish way to do this... Uh, it's also way easier to cast than Glittering Wish. Well, not way easier. It's it's four mana, which is a lot. But, I mean, three and a blue is easier than green-white sometimes. Um, I don't know if Jeskai Sentency would play this, but they definitely could. I don't think Fairies plays this. I think this card is not good in Fairies. You could uh, use this in sort of like a mono-blue toolbox-style deck. Maybe. That's sort of, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to do it now. You I don't know just if do you, it. I don't know if you need to be mono blue though. I think you could be like two or three colors, and this is just like an easy. This is a very splashable way to like wish for something. That's true. Honestly, you could run this in any blue X deck. Yeah. As just like a way to pull hate out of your sideboard game one. Yeah. What about in storm? Uh, I can see that. Grabbing, grabbing payloads, awful. like go get grape shot. Yeah, yeah. Or like, um, even like getting, um, a way to bounce something. Like yeah, if like they going have to get like echoing truth pieces. or something. Yeah. yeah. Or when your opponent has main board rule of law. <laughs> like some kind of <laughs> idiot. Okay. How. Yeah, that actually that I mean, it's that's in the name not of the podcast. terrible. I don't know if they're gonna play it because you can't past in flames it back. But uh And it doesn't count towards storm count. Yeah. Well no it does. Everything counts towards storm. Oh right. Count. I f I totally forget that it's not an ability. You're yeah. casting it. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I guess I have a card. So this card's been mentioned already, but uh you gotta build this card in modern. Build me a modern deck around Kenrith the Returned King. Uh, okay, I've got it. Yikes. So I'm going to go over all these abilities, and then I'm going to go into what I, exactly what I think you should do. This is another one that I tried to make work. 
because uh, I, I tried to make a lot of different things work because I didn't have a deck for today until like six hours ago. Um, Kenrith the Returned King is four and a white, five, five. He has a lot of abilities. Uh, he's a human noble, goes in the noble deck. Um, one red, all creatures gain trample and haste until on a turn. One in a green, put a one, one counter on target creature. Two in a white, target player gains five life. Three in a blue, target player draws a card. Four in a black, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under its owner's control. The last part that, or the one thing that sucks about that last part is that you can't reanimate your opponent's creatures because they go to their side, which sucks. You put training grounds in a deck with this card. Ah, uh, yeah, that seems good. I like two training grounds makes it so that you could just like draw like a card for a blue. Or uh, just gain a bunch of life for a bunch of white, uh, reanimate a bunch of stuff for just a black stuff like that. Like so, so you're playing like I'm assuming you're in Bant, so that way you get um the one from Ravnica Allegiance, the the creature. Oh, um, Biromancer's familiar or something like that. It's something like that, but it's 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 training grounds on a stick. Yeah. Um, so you'd but... run training grounds and that and this, and you'd probably splash a little bit of black. I don't know if you want red, but you could do red, I guess. But like, this is just like the ultimate value, like Swiss Army knife. <laughs> yeah, and then you could also run like just all a, a bunch of other value things in Bant or black. In fact, you could actually, um, if you're splashing black, run Scarab God. Oh yeah, that card's also really good with training grounds. Yeah. Yeah, no. Scarab God is just a bit ridiculous in that. Yeah, deck. that card is just <laughs> dumb. Yeah, it seems that seems like the way to do it, I think. Training grounds plus this seems sweet. Well, that's been the idiot brewery for this week. I'd like to remind all of you to don't push a bird off a cliff, don't smack your grandma, and I'll see you all next Saturday at noon. Have a good one, everybody. Professionals, don't worry about it.